All right. Well, we're just going to jump into to the word for today. We started last week, we started a new series called Messy Church, um, which is uh, going to be a look at 1 Corinthians. It's 1 Corinthians is a, is a letter to Paul. Uh, we said last week we did a lot of setup, kind of looked at the city and looked at the letter in, in kind of general terms. Um, uh, if you missed that, I encourage you to go back and check that out online uh, or, or on the podcast on our website. Um, we don't have time to go through all that again, obviously. Um, but just to set it up, so the, it's a letter written by Paul to the, the church in a city called Corinth. Corinth was a church that Paul planted. He spent a year and a half there pouring into these people, and then he, he moved on um, some issues had arisen. There were some, some, a number of problems that were kind of creeping up in the, in the church. And one of the church leaders, uh, um, a lady named, named Phoebe, she, she sent some people to Paul to tattle on everybody. <laughs> and, uh, and so Paul gets news of this and, and he writes back to them to address these issues. And that's, that is what 1 Corinthians is. It's, it's Paul's letter back to this church in Corinth. Last week we, we said how Corinth, um, when you think of the city of Corinth, think of, think of a mix, a hybrid a little bit of take the size and the diversity and the, the, the commerce of New York City and then kind of throw a layer of Vegas sensuality on top of it. And that's kind of what, what, what Corinth was as a, as a city. Um, last week we looked at how Paul began by laying a foundation um, of their identity being grounded in Christ. He's going to spend most of the book dealing with these specific issues, but he starts by, by reassuring them by, with, with the proper foundation that they are, they are now in Christ. Um, we talked last week how, how those two things, sometimes we, we get confused in our own mind. The enemy likes to point to our messes to try and convince us that we are not, we are not Jesus's. But, but Paul says in the, and makes the, the case in the very beginning of this letter that that is, that is not so. We can, we can be, be Jesus's. We can be positionally holy. We can be spiritually gifted and still have messes in our lives. And so Paul, Paul makes that case, and then he jumps right into the issues. You know, um, writing letters back then was not, was not cheap. And so <laughs> what we have in the New Testament is, is, you know, very, it's a very efficient, very truncated, um, you didn't waste words because every word was expensive back then. Um, it, uh, to, write out a, to write out a copy of even one gospel back then would have cost, I think it's, I forget the stat, but it was, it's like $1,200 or $1,300 for all the materials. And that's not labor, that's just like, buying the right quill or whatever they, you know, and the getting the, because it was hard to make writing surfaces back then. It was hard to create the ink. Um, and, and so we, we, there's an efficiency and an appreciation in the Bible that, that I think um, is valuable to us. And we, we kind of underappreciate that, that uh, there was a lot of time and care and, and Holy Spirit inspiration to say a whole lot in a little bit of time. Um, and so we're going to jump, Paul jumps right into the business at hand. And so we're going to, we're just going to pick up the text in, um, in first Corinthians chapter one. What time is it? It is, uh, <laughs> so we're going to, it is 1107. 
So in the next 25-ish minutes, we're going to cover four chapters. <laughs> we got through like seven verses last week, so... Um, should be interesting, but here we go. All right. First Corinthians chapter one, uh, starting verse 10, Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with one another. Each of let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels, my brothers and sisters. Some of you are saying, I follow Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos. Or I follow Peter. Or I follow Christ. So here he lays out, he jumps right into the first issue that Paul's going to address. And that is, there are divisions popping up in the church in the city. And not only divisions, but quarreling. So, um... And I think he makes the, the, the delineation there uh, on purpose because they're not the same thing. A quarrel is the conversation, is the argument or the words that come out based on, on a division that has happened. Sometimes we, we, we um, <laughs> some of us, especially some of us that are uh, more passive maybe, uh, uh, we, we, we get it in our heads that if there's no quarrel, there's no division. And that's not true. You can be divided against someone, and that doesn't mean that you're having an art. Just because you're not arguing with them doesn't mean that there isn't division. Does that make sense? A, a division is something that happens in your heart and in your mind. A quarrel is something that happens when your mouth lets out the things that are in your mind and your heart. <laughs> and so Paul is going to address this issue of dividing and arguing, and specifically their, their issue um, was over which leader they were following. And we see this today. This is not, this didn't disappear with the Corinthian church. And unfortunately, Paul was not able to extinguish this problem from the church for a time and eternity. <laughs> he dealt with it for them there. Um, and before we go any farther, we, and I need to make one clarification. Um, Paul here is dealing with unnecessary divisions. Okay, unnecessary divisions, they're, they're differences or preferences in, our, in their lives that were being elevated to an improper um, priority and were affecting the unity of the group. Listen, there are issues that are non-negotiables. There are issues that we have to divide over. There are issues that we have to quarrel over because they're that important. There is right and wrong. And the, the, there are times where a wrong side or a wrong person needs to come in line with what is right. But that's not what this conversation is about. Believe me, I was all geared up to have that conversation. And then when I started studying, I realized, dang it, that's not what he was saying. So, <laughs> so, so we'll have to deal with that when some other time. Um, he, here he is specifically talking about divisions that are unnecessary. And you know, when you think about it, the, if we're honest, if we really time take a look at our relationships, both in the church and in our own lives, um, most divisions that, we're deal, that we deal with are unnecessary. Most of the things that we deal with are not are not non-negotiables. They are not things that, that are actually worth dividing over. 
It's now 2023, and we still are dealing with divisions in the church. We, we, we like, like the Corinthians, we, we divide over what leaders we like, we divide over what preaching styles we like, we divide over what political bents we like, we divide over our, the words that we use to describe certain theological phenomenon or, or understandings. We divide over how, how we like our worship, what songs we like, what tempo we like, what beats we like. We divide over our cultural differences. We divide over, in relationships, we divide over, you know, who's giving enough to the other person. We divide over our interests. We divide over our lifestyles. We divide over income. We divide over our fashion. We divide over our age. We divide over our, our zip codes. We divide over, we divide over what color our favorite sports team wears. Listen, these are all differences and they can stay differences without becoming divisions. There's this thought right now that, that seems to be uh, pervading our, our culture that the, the key to unity is unison. That, that we all have to think the exact thing and like the exact same stuff for us to get along, for us to be in unity. That is, not, that is not a Jesus idea. That is not a God idea. That's not even a good idea. We were created with differences, and that is a beautiful, intentional thing. And so we need to understand that, that we can have differences and still be in unity, and we can st- we don't have to let that become a thing that divides us. And so uh, before we go much further in the text, Paul, in a few moments, we're going to jump into to kind of plowing through the next four chapters. And each of the chapters, he gives us a different strategy for how we defeat division in our lives and in our churches. Um, but first, I want to give us a, a list of a few things that will help us just to, I want you to just kind of put it in your, put it in your head, put it, uh, think about it, mull it over. These are just some things that, um, ways that we can kind of examine ourselves and our situations of when a difference, how you know when a difference has become or is becoming a division. And I'm just going to, I'm not going to make too much comment, uh, I'm just going to list them, um, and, and then we'll, we'll move on. But the first one is a difference becomes a division when we believe it's better or the right way to do something. Right? That uh, it, a difference can become a division when I think my way isn't just my, my way, it's the way. And remember, again, we're talking about things that are inherently not ethics. We're not talking about rights and wrongs. We're talking about differences. We're talking about priorities. It's when I think my way is better than your way. My music is better than your music. A difference becomes a division when we add extra motivations. This is one that I think gets all of us at times. Where we, we see somebody else's preference for a certain thing, and then we write a whole script in our mind of all the reasons that they chose that thing, and not the thing that you chose. Right? That's, that, that is, uh, that is, I know it's Mother's Day, and I, this is, I, I hate to, I, I hate to, to um, say this, but there is, okay. Mother's in, intuition, right? 
There, there is a sensitivity that people have that some other people don't have, but you're not a mind reader, right? None of us are. You don't, you, the Bible is very clear. We do not know the thoughts and the hearts of the people. We don't know our own. We'll see that later. We don't know our own hearts and thoughts half the time. Why do we think we can get into the heart and the mind of somebody else to know the deep motivations of the, of the reason that they like this thing more than that thing? And they should like this thing because, and they like that thing probably because of all these other reasons. It creates division. When we add motivations, when we, when we write a script of the reason somebody's making a decision that we don't really have an accurate script to. All right, moving on. Uh, a difference becomes a division when we rank people or groups based on their preferences. It's kind of tied to the other one, but there's a group of people that like this thing, and so they're all here. And sometimes it's, you know, we, we, we see that, that choice, we, we make a judgment of, oh, well, that's the choice, that's what you choose if you, if, if you don't quite get it, right? So that's, that's a nice choice for them, you know, but I'm, I, I, I prefer this, you know. Um, we... we when we group people based on, on, on our differences, it creates division. A difference becomes a, a division, uh, and here's a, here's a real kind of gut check one. A difference becomes a division when it affects our feelings towards that person. You want to know if there's a difference or a division between you and somebody else? When, when, when you think of that, that difference, think of that difference and think of that person, does it affect how you feel about them? Or is there a group of people in your life that happen to have a certain difference than you that you coincidentally have a certain feeling about those people? There might be a, a division issue there. A difference becomes a difference when we, or a difference becomes a division sometimes when we oversimplify complex ideas. We, 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 there are things uh, in, in life that are just complicated. There's a lot to them. And so much of the time, I feel like we try to uh, over, we oversimplify and we overreduce things to, to like one thought or one issue. And if, so if you like that, you mu if you like X, then Y must apply to you. And it's just, it, it's not, it's not accurate. It's not helpful. A difference becomes a division when we can't see the value in the other person's preference. That's a, that's a, that's a good one. If, if, <laughs> I mean, it's not, it, it, it's not a fun one, but it's a, that's a helpful one. If, if there is something that you can objectively say, okay, I get that this is a difference. This isn't, this isn't a right and a wrong, right? This is a preference. If you look at the other person's preference, the, other, the difference, and you can see no redeeming, no possible reason why anyone would choose that, there's a, there's a good chance that there, you have some sort of blinder on. If you can't see the value in somebody else's perspective, there's probably uh, some opportunity there for division. And then kind of the inverse of that, a difference can become a division when we can't see the limits of our own per preference. When we look at our, well, the way we like this thing or that thing, that style of music, that way to worship, that, that type of Bible study, that uh, 
level of spending money on a car, whatever it is. And we can only see, we can only name all of the good things about us. We don't, can't see any of the weaknesses in this decision. And, and, and so we can't just fathom that, that anybody would make any other decision other than the one we've made. We've probably elevated that preference too high. And there's potential there for division. So differences and divisions. So I'm just going to leave those with you. Uh, so as we're, we're talking and throughout this week, maybe spend some time, just look through those and think and just kind of reflect on your life and see, ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit to, to use that as kind of a litmus test to show you maybe there's some areas that, that um, you have some divisions in your heart and in your mind that, that really sh don't need to be there. Now, fortunately, the rest of this, uh, the rest of this text, Paul's going to help us. Paul's going to walk us through how we deal with these. Uh, he's going to give us some strategies, four strategies on how to deal with unnecessary divisions. Defe uh, defeating division strategy number one, uh, Paul focuses on the gospel of Jesus. Sounds like a, you know, the old, that cheesy old joke sounds like a squirrel, but I'm going to say Jesus. I don't have time for that. It's a silly joke. But the, the punchline is like, we're in church. Jesus is the answer. Spoiler alert, right? Uh, so Paul, and that's exactly what Paul's going to do. He's going to start by taking them back to their own beginning in Christ. He backs up, uh, he backs up the point to the point that they all can agree on. This is a great strategy when you're trying to find common ground, when you're trying to find unity. Um, if you find yourself in division with some backtrack to the point where you both, both agree. And at least you can find your starting point. Okay, here's, we agree all the way up to this point. Now we, now we can see where our division is. Now we, can, now we can deal with it. And that's kind of what Paul does here, starting in verse 18. He says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. Skip down to verse 21. He says, since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for a sign from heaven, and it's foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. He, 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 he reminds them here of how they used to seek wisdom and spiritual power before they met Jesus. How he's saying, guys, remember, remember not too long ago, remember a year and a half ago when, when you guys were, were pursuing these other things and you, and you thought the gospel was, was made no sense, it was nonsense, and how you were so sure that the path you were on was the right path. Remember how you, you sure you were about the world and how it worked before you met Jesus? You had your rituals, you had your gods or whatever, and that was the truth. But then, then what happened, guys? And he, he continues the story. Verse 24, he says, But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This foolish plan is wiser than the wisest human plan. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest human strength. Remember, brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose, the, chose, the, uh, chose, the, chose things the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. 
And he chose the things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Paul reminds them, then, remember then you thought all these things and then Jesus came and opened your eyes to real wisdom, to real power. And you were able to see how foolish all of that other stuff was. And he did this not because you were the most deserving, not because you were the sharpest pencil in the box. Makes a point of saying that they were not. He did this to show that if he can transform you, he could transform anyone. And then he, he, he's doing this. Why is he doing this? He's doing this to put them all back on the same level, right? This is what, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. And that's exactly Paul's argument here. He says, as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and freed us from sin. Therefore, scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only in the Lord. The only thing you can brag about is how the Lord saved you. Amen. 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 And this is the core. This is, if we get, if we could just get this, we could all just go home and eat our brisket, right? Like Jesus is the solution. If, we, if, if we're constantly, if we keep our eyes focused on that, divisions go away because we don't, it automatically stops us. When I'm staring at Jesus, when I'm in, in worship, when I'm in his presence, do all those other things, those non-essentials really matter? No, I don't care about them at all. It's when, I, it's when I'm not focused on that. It's when I take my eyes off of Jesus that all of a sudden I start looking at other things and start having opinions about other things that, that I really shouldn't be having opinions about. So we first strategy was to focus on Jesus. And then we come to chapter two where he shifts focus a little bit, uh, defeating division strategy number two, uh, humble explanation. Both of those words are very important <laughs> in this strategy. And we're going to see that he shifts, he shifts focus here. Starting in uh, verse one of chapter two, he says, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words or impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ and, and the one who was crucified. And I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. That phrase, by the way, is just a common phrase for the way he delivered things, not actually his own kind of emotional state. Um, Paul's not, not the timid kind of guy, if, you've <laughs> if you know his story. Uh, it was just a common phrase back then, the way he presented himself, the way he, he interacted with them was, was with humility, was, was, was timid, was, was uh, gentle. Um, he goes on in verse four, and, and my message and my preaching was very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would trust, not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. So Paul, what's Paul saying here? See, this, this quarrel, you know, it, it said in the beginning, they were dividing over this. I like Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow, you know, uh, whoever. The, part of the criticism that he's addressing here is Apollos was a, we, we saw this last week, Apollos was a very gifted speaker. He was, he was eloquent. He was a deep thinker. Um, he, and, and Paul 
as he explains here, came and when the first gospel, he gives them the gospel, right? And he does it, but he does it in a very straightforward, very kind of right down the middle of the plate way. And so people started comparing him and Apollos and, and people were, you know, not anybody, um, you know, in, in the American church would ever, you know, dare to, to critique somebody that's trying to present the word of God. Um, we would never do that here. But back then they, they, they did that and they would, they would kind of, well, Paul's so simple, you know, and other people were like, oh, Apollos, he's too highfalutin fancy. I just want to hear about Jesus, right? Um, and so Paul uh, is addressing the actual issue, the, the, the dividing point, but he, he does it in a very humble way. He's not lambasting them. Uh, he, he's explaining to them in ways they can understand that there, is, that there is a reason behind these differences that you're fighting over. And, and, and his hope is that if you understand the reason behind it, maybe you can learn to appreciate the difference instead of letting it turn into a division. See, Paul, and that, that's a, a good lesson for us, that sometimes there's a division and, and, and our, our approach uh, to, to fixing it is missing one of these two words. Paul is, is saying that his approach uh, was what they needed at the time. But there's a reason for it. He's saying, but he says it in a way that's one, it's humble. So that they, they're willing to lean in. They can, they can hear what it is that he's saying. Paul is showing us how important it is to willing to, to humbly and sincerely offer our reasons. What we tend to do is start by either, either start by attacking the other person's preference, right? So there's a division, you get an argument, what's your go-to? Well, here's the seven reasons why you picked the wrong thing, why you're, you're, here's the problem with your thing, right? Or we defend our own position, but we have no humility in it whatsoever, <laughs> right? It's total devoid of any, any, we're not even really trying to explain it. We're just trying to defend ourselves in a way that makes us feel good. And we use sarcasm and we use all kinds of, you know, uh, arguments that are, are in, in kind of insulting to, to the other person. Um, this is not what Paul does. He, he, he explains it with humility, and it's a powerful strategy. Another option for us, which wasn't available to Paul under his circumstance, because remember, Paul's not with them. He's not having, this is a letter to them. It's not a two-way conversation at this point. He, he's just trying to address an issue. But, but uh, I just thought I'd I mention another, another option, another great strategy here that falls in line with this that I think Paul would have used had he actually been there would be to ask a humble question and listen for an answer. That's, I, for me, that's probably actually the best place to start is ask a question. You see a difference that's becoming a, a division. You have a conversation. Hey, I, 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 there's some tension here about the, this thing, it seems. Um, why do you do that that way? Why do you like that more than that? And then 
Here, the hard part of that is asking the questions not, not terribly hard. It's, listen, it's, it's, it's locking this thing down and shoving our brains into this focusing on what it is that they're going to say and just listening, just taking it in what, what their answer is without immediately trying to jump to, uh, okay, I'm, I'm, they're talking and I'm kind of listening, but I'm mostly just listening because I'm writing out my notes of my, you know, my, my opening statement for my defense. That's really what I'm doing right here. Um, asking a humble question is a great way to, to, to expose these divisions and, and deal with them. So those are the, those are the first two. And, and I honestly believe that, that if we were to follow these strategies, um, 80% of the time probably, we would be able to resolve the issue at this point. If we would focus on Jesus, remind ourselves of the cross, and we would have a, a humble conversation, an honest conversation, where we, we listen and we explain, 80% of the time, we would have the issue resolved right then and there. But there is, there is that other 20%, and, and Paul is going to continue because, uh, well, one, he, he doesn't know if those two arguments are going to work because, again, it's a letter. Um, and two, he, he, he's, well, he's Paul and he's thorough. Um, so, so, but in the other 20%, Paul gives us the next steps that, that can be a bit more challenging um, but can bring resolution if we, we can't get it in the first couple of steps. In the case of Paul, he's dealing with, there's a deeper mess here in these divisions because, as we'll see, these divisions were, were the symptom of a deeper issue. See, sometimes differences become divisions just, just because they, they do. There's a misunderstanding. There's a lack of, lack of understanding. There's lack of effort. There's laziness of our thoughts or whatever. Um, but sometimes there's, a, there's another issue. There's a deeper issue. There's a root that's causing us to take that difference and make it a division. And, and that's what we see here um, that Paul has to deal with. And so uh, defeating division number three, uh, he exposes the root. I will say, uh, if we're moving into the, if you're moving into this step, um, if you're dealing with this, this should always be approached with a lot of prayer and a lot of humility. And it's helpful, if you can, to bring a, a mature third party that doesn't have a, a horse in the race that both of you uh, respect, agree on. It's helpful to bring that in. Um, but Paul moves in, in the strategy. He, he exposes the root of the issue. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would spiritual people. I had to talk to you uh, as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like the people of the world? Ouch. And the truth is that uh, this is the root of the vast majority of these kinds of divisions in our lives. 
jealousy, uh, and, and, and quarrels. Quarrels in some other translations you may have heard, uh, tr- it's translated strife. Jealousy, e- envying. It's, uh, z- jealousy is uh, another way of t- defining it is zeal in pursuit of a person or a thing. Zeal in pursuit of a person or a thing. That's, that's jealousy. Quarrels or strife. It's, it's the picture, it's the idea of, of a rivalry or, or contentiousness. One of, the, one, of the word, uh, the, the, one of the Bible dictionaries, that, one of the, the, the synonyms was uh, uh, wrangling. I love that word, wrangling. You know, it just, it's a good picture. Just, you're trying to get your hands around it. You know? uh, strife, quarrels, fighting to win is another, uh, another uh, definition that they gave. No, th- these quarrels and jealousy, they don't have to be exposed in words to be a problem. If it's in your heart, and it's, cause, it's causing division, even if the other person doesn't know about it. You can be, you can be divided to somebody, there can be a division there, and they're, not, they're completely clueless. Right? <laughs> they, they have no idea. Because it's in, it's in your heart. You know where these ultimately come from? Well, one word. Comparison. Comparison. It's a problem. You know what cost Lucifer his, his seat in heaven? Comparison. I will be like God. He wasn't angry at, he, he, he didn't hate God. He didn't, he, he wasn't trying to beat God. He just wanted, he was comparing himself and wanted to be equal to him. You know, you know what cost Adam and Eve the garden? Comparison. They were tempted with what? You will be like God, right? The, ser- the serpent, you, you will be like God. Compared to God, you're missing something. Comparison, I was listening, uh, listening to a preacher the other day. He kind of broke it up, comparison. Compare is sin. It's right there in the word. I don't know how we didn't, we missed it. In your marriage, you aren't fighting over dishes. You are arguing, you are arguing over who's earned the right not to do the dishes compared to the other person's work that day. Right? In our friendships, we compare lives to see who has the right to complain and who, has, who, and who should be happy, right? <laughs> am, I, am I being too honest here? Uh, and for the most part, we, we put ourselves uh, just, just uh, we put the line just north of us, right? Like, so, so everyone, everyone better off than us should be happy, and we're the first in line that's allowed to complain. And everyone behind us is allowed to complain too. It's comparison. It's silly, but it's the root. It's literally what caused the original sin. It's literally, probably, I have no no scientific statistics, but it's most of our problem. It's most of our problem. This, this, This intrinsic desire to constantly evaluate and compare ourselves to everyone around us and everything around us. Paul exposes this root and he says, uh, you know, doesn't have a super, super fancy fix. He says, stop it. <laughs> the stakes are too high. 
In verse 16, he says, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. Read that one again. God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple. For God is, God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Stop deceiving yourselves. If you think you are wise by this world's standards, you need to become a fool to become truly wise. Listen, your quarreling is a big deal to God. You know, we read this verse, you know, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we usually talk, use that to talk about things out there, you know, in our personal lives that are, and that's not inappropriate to, to apply the verse that way, but that's not really the primary message that Paul is saying here. He's saying, you guys, the temple, you are all the temple. And we're talking about these, these divisions, these quarrels that are threatening the temple. And what does he say? God, God will destroy anyone who destroys the temple. Listen, you're, 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 you're comparing yourself to other people that creating, is creating division in, in a church body or in, in, a, in a spiritual community. God takes that very seriously. And the problem is, it, it, it's so rampant that we, we, we almost get nose blind to it, you know? Um, it's like we got a, I mentioned last week, we got a new puppy, and the puppy, we turns out, they said it's hypoallergenic, but it doesn't mean it doesn't smell like a puppy. <laughs> right? So when I come home from work, all of a sudden there's a new smell in the house, right? It smells like dog. <laughs> but what happens after about 10 minutes of being there? I don't smell the puppy anymore. <laughs> Because why? Your brain, it's there so present, your brain just learns to shut it off. I feel like that, that has happened, that happens a lot with our divisions and our quarrels. They're, they're so prevalent, they're so common, they're so everyday that we just go blind to them. Yeah. Or we name them other things and don't put them in that category. Like It's not division, it's, it's bickering, or it's spats, or it's, you know... Banter, it's playful banter. Paul says, stop deceiving yourself. You're using the world's standards to see life and it's creating messes everywhere you go. The mess is also causing you to miss out on a whole lot of good stuff. This is part of, this is, and this is part of the reason why, why God is so big on this and why Paul is so, so adamant about this. You know, God doesn't just give us rules for no reason. They're all there because if we don't follow them, he's trying to help us live the best life possible, to live the way that's going to lead us to the most freedom, the most fullness. Verse 21 says, so, so then no more boasting about human leaders. Knock it off. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours. And you are all of, you are all of Christ and Christ is of God. Took me a minute. I had to read that a bunch of times, try and figure out and read, read a couple articles. What, what is he saying here? What Paul's saying is basically, 
excuse me, you're cheating yourself out of the benefits of all of these other diversity and beauty of, of, of the diversity that he has put in his body when we divide. We're missing out on the benefits that other people have to bring to your table that are different than you or have a different, different interest than you or a different skill set than you. Um, I got a quick little illustration. So, that probably sounded. So, we got a pizza, right? Got this nice pizza. Oh, it's okay. Store bought. But imagine this is this is our this is the community, the spiritual community, right? And there's there's you know pizza. It's got got different. It's got the dough, it's got sauce, it's got pepperoni, it's got some cheese. But this this isn't what we do. We we have our preferences. And so some of us are like, I like pepperonis. And so I'm gonna take my pepperonis and I, I just want the pepperonis. You know, I don't know what the pepperonis are to you, but you know, I like I like to get my I like to get my praise on. Right? So I'm gonna do that. And then some other people maybe they're they're like the cheese people. They're the cheese people. I just think we should just get into the word and we need to study. And Greek is, is, is my, I'm a fanboy of the Greek. And if, it, if it's not Latin, I don't, I don't want it. Right? And then there's some other us that are like that prayer. It's all, about, it's, it's all about spending time in God's presence and hearing his voice. And we just want to do that. And it's like all about that. Okay. Isn't this a wonderful church we've created? <laughs> we've ruined it. We missed all the best, all the, the good flavors of all the other parts because we just wanted to focus on the one part that we like the best. That's what we do, and that's what Paul's saying here. We have to stop separating based on our differences because there is a value in the differences. There's, there's important parts that you don't see that you need that other part. And if we don't, we're going to ruin the pizza. So, so what do we do? How do we, how do we fix it quickly? Uh, we get to the, the fourth one. Um, defeating division strategy number four, Paul lays out, lays out a path um, for how to do this. Um, Starting in verse 3 of chapter 4, he says, As for me, it matters very little how, how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment at this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It, that statement will flip your mind if you focus on it. This is Paul talking. This is what he said. He says, I don't even trust my own judgment at this point. This is the guy that wrote like, Half the New Testament. If there's anybody that like could trust his own judgment, I would think it's be Paul. But he says, no, I don't even trust my own judgment. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. That should become all of our mantras. Just because my conscience is clear doesn't prove that I'm right. That's a powerful uh, mentality to have. Just because I think I'm doing right doesn't make it right. Just because I think this is a better way to go doesn't automatically make it a better way to go. 
And he goes on. He says, it's the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. And so here's, here's, his, here's the, big, the big, I know it's not rocket science, but here's the big takeaway. So don't make any judgments about anyone ahead of time. Ahead of time, what does that mean? Before the Lord returns. For he will bring out the darkest secrets to light and he will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each other whatever praise is due. So stop judging. Just stop it. Not till the Lord comes back. That, how many know that's, for most of us, that's going to be after we're dead? Probably. <laughs> He's saying, don't judge. Stop with the evaluations. And I know that on one hand, that seems so hard. That seems so almost, almost so hard that it's like, okay, but that can't really be what he means. Or it's one of those things that we're like, okay, all right. You know, it's like when Jesus does stuff or says like, love your enemy, you know, and you're like, okay, but that's, yes, but that's Jesus. We give ourselves a pass because we're not him. <laughs> but the reality is, you know what? There is, there is a freedom there is a beauty that comes in refusing to be judgmental. It is, a, it, is a, it is a fun way to live. It's an easy way to, to have unity. It's an easy way to, to, to accept and be loved and in loving communities. It's, it's a lot less um, work, honestly, because I don't have to, I don't have to um, take my mental energy and my time to come up with an opinion about everything and everyone. I can just let it go. I can let it go. I, can, I, I don't have to care about you know, this little thing or that little thing. I don't have to have an opinion on everything that comes down the pike. I'm free. I'm free. To, to, I don't have to worry about, about uh, you know, what, well, is this a better thing or a, a worse thing for that person? I don't know. But it's not me. <laughs> so I'm okay. Stop judging. So what's the, the, the second thing? So Paul goes on. So he, he says that stop, stop judging. Stop making, trying to make all of these opinions about all of these things. Just, just let it go. That it's beyond your, you don't have the, enough information to come up with an accurate assessment anyway. Move on. And in verse 17, he gives us a second piece of advice, um, kind of in modeling. Verse 17, he says, that's why I'm sending, I've sent Timothy, my beloved, faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of how I follow Christ Jesus, just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go. He sends encouragement. He, he sends a person and so this is, this is a, a good model for us. We, we, we need to, to latch on to some other people that, 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 are, 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 um, that can help us in this journey. Especially if there's a specific division you're dealing with. You can bring somebody else in that can help navigate that. That has an outside perspective. And then finally... Uh, the final strategy piece he gives is, is this. He commits to resolving the issue. 
This is more of a mindset thing than, than a direct update. He, he, he commits to resolving the issue. This is not because he knows what's at stake. And he says, we're not sweeping this under the rug. We're not going to pretend like this is okay. We're not going to act like everything's just fine. We're going to get to the bottom of this. In verse 18, he says, some of you have become arrogant thinking I won't visit again, but I will come and soon. If the Lord lets me, and then, we'll and then we'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. I would have loved to like, see some of the faces in that room as it's being read for the first time. Like, oh, I may have bitten off more than I chew. Uh, verse 20, he says, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. So which do you choose? Should, should I come with a rod to punish you or should I come with love and a gentle spirit? Like, and if it's a heart thing, you, you, you need to resolve that in your heart. If it's another person, you need to commit to see the issue resolved because it's not going to go away. Not without, not without dealing with it. This is Mother's Day. It's a family holiday. I guarantee there's some people that are about to go to a place with some people that you probably have some divisions that are really differences. <laughs> Here's a good opportunity right now to, as you're going today, to pray about it and see what the Lord would have you do in those moments. To ask in, in those relationships, why, why does every time, you know, so-and-so, you know, my, my whatever, my, my cousin, my, my, my friend, my whoever it is, how come every time they, 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 they talk about, you know, their work, I, I roll my eyes in my head? What is that all about? <laughs> how come every time, every time my aunt brings that casserole, it drives me nuts? There's probably a division that has an opportunity to, to get converted back to a difference that we can appreciate. Yeah. And I don't have a, I don't have a super, uh, super magic wand. This is not one of those, uh, this is not one of those issues that, that, that has, a, has a super simple solution other than us just focusing on it, other than us taking the time and prayerfully looking at our lives. And asking the Lord to expose these things. And so, uh, just to, to close today, I just want to give us an opportunity to do just that. To just invite the Holy Spirit to, to start exposing to us uh, what, where in our lives are, we, are there these, these differences that have become divisions. Is there a specific issue? Is there a specific person or people group that, 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 that this is centered around in our lives? Is it, is it a, you know, an income thing? Do we, do we tend to, do, do I divide? Do I assume a, pertin, a person that appears at a certain level socioeconomically um, is a certain, certain way? Maybe it's 
Maybe it's those fake happy people out there. Because no one's really happy. So if you just always have good things to say, you just must be bragging and acting. That's a difference that you're creating a division because you're making a judgment. You don't, you don't, you don't know that. You don't know that that's not sincere or vice versa. You, you know, you, you could maybe, you don't, you try not to be around people that, you know, that just that person. I mean, I like them. They're great. They're brother, sister in the Lord. They're whatever. But, but they just, you know, I have to, I, I have to set boundaries because they just they have so many problems. They're just never happy. There's just always something going on in their life and I'll pray for them. It's a judgment. You don't get to choose how often they should be struggling. <laughs> so Father, we, we give you this moment Your word has challenged us today to evaluate. You've warned us. You've shown us that, that there, are, there are things in our lives that we allow to divide us, to break our unity, that don't need to be there. They just don't. And so Holy Spirit, would you, would you show us those areas in our, in our own hearts, in our own minds, would you speak to us? God, we, we, we open our, our hands, we open our hearts. We repent, even if we don't have the, the specific right now, God, in our hearts and generality. We can, we can confess, we can, we can admit that we, we know we do this, even if we, we can't always point to the exact instance. We confess and we say we need your spirit to, to soften our hearts, to show us Would your spirit begin to give us eyes to see the value in the differences in, the other, in other people around us? God, convict us when, when, we, when we're walking away from a person out of a, out of a division that we've created in our hearts. God, we are, we are your temple. We are your church. And we want to be, we want to be a, a unified body. We want to be a body that is honest with each other, a body that values each other, a, a group of people that, that isn't the same but, has, but sees the, the value in even our differences. Spirit, would you, would you give us the strength to refuse to, to make judgments that we don't need to make? We love you, Lord. In your name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Happy Mommy's Day.